This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 22. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Okay, so today Shane Lopez is with us. Um, he is a hope monger and the world's leading research on a researcher on hope. Dr. Lopez is also a Gallup senior scientist and the research director for the Clifton Strengths Institute. He's written several books. Among them are Positive Psychology, The Scientific and Practical Explorations of Human Strengths, and The Handbook of Positive Psychology, both of which I actually use quite a lot when I put together these podcasts. And hope, um, Making Hope Happen, Creating the Future You Want for Yourself and Others. Thanks for joining us and welcome, Shane. Thank you so much, Kristen. Uh, when talking about hope, people sometimes ask whether it's something passive. So can you just mm. define hope for us, please? Yeah, hope is actually quite active. It's it's a belief in a set of actions. So hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, combined with the belief that you have some power to make it so. And that power to make it so um, has to do with creating pathways uh, to the, the goal that you have in mind, to the, the coveted future you have in mind, and then um, generating all the energy you need to pursue the the goal along those selected pathways okay so what are the benefits then of hope wow they're they're far-ranging so so hope is something that's unique to human beings we're we're the only creatures on the planet that have complex thoughts about the future and really hopeful thinking about the future is is one way that we're able to guide our actions and and make decisions in the in the here and now so some of the benefits include uh, academic success. So hopeful students uh, achieve a letter grade higher um, in school than less hopeful students. They're more likely to go to school. Uh, they're more likely to pursue uh, meaningful academic goals. Um, and thinking about hopeful students uh, becoming hopeful employees, hopeful employees give you way more productivity than less hopeful employees. So a hopeful person will get as much done in six days as it takes a less hopeful person to do in seven days. So hope is worth about a day's worth of productivity on the job site. And again, it's because hopeful employees go to work, they're highly engaged at work, and they're more likely to get things done. There are also a host of um, health benefits from being hopeful. Um, you, when you're hopeful about the future, you're more likely to behave in your best interests today. So you're more likely to exercise, you're more likely to eat a healthy diet, practice safe sex, um, do all the things that, that, that keep you healthy. Right. Wow. Um, I'm curious, how did you um, measure that one day worth of productivity at work? Yeah, it was different in, in every workplace. We looked at productivity in a meta-analysis um, and it was, it was hope and, and occupational performance across a far-ranging set of occupations. So it included um, fast food restaurants, managers at a fast food restaurant. It included 
um, people on an assembly line in Switzerland. It included workers in China. So each study had a different way of quantifying uh, performance, but through meta-analysis, we were able to um, look at the percentage of outcomes that Hope was responsible for, and it was about um, 14% of of the outcome. So um, when we look at 14%, how do you make sense out of that? Um, you know, for the for the average reader, well, we we thought about the number of days in the week, and and if if you have seven days in the week, you're doing about 14% of your your workload per day. So that's how we came up with that number. It saves you a day of week of of work because you're more productive on the given days. Wow. That's that's huge. That's impressive. Wow. Okay. Um, so how can someone who struggles a little bit with being hopeful, what, what's the first step they can take to be a, become a more hopeful person? Yeah, it depends. Uh, becoming more hopeful depends on how much you're struggling with, with hopelessness. Um, you know, some people just go through a malaise and, and they're not as hopeful as they, they tend to be. And for those people... I would recommend finding one thing in the future that they're excited about. Um, it might be, a, you know, an overnight trip with your family to, to, to go to a neighboring town and, and see the sights. It, it might be an upcoming holiday. Um, it might be something you're doing at work or school. But if, if you can focus in on one thing you're excited about in the future, that anticipation and that planning for that exciting event can kind of pull you out of the doldrums and, and help you get a little more hopeful over time. If, if you're struggling in a deeper way um, with hopelessness, I always recommend that people spend time with the most hopeful person they know because hope is contagious. It has an emotional contagion to it. And when you're spending time with the most hopeful person you know, um, you're able to, to kind of get some hope rub off on you and and hopefully get you through the day in, in a more hopeful fashion and and help you look forward to the next day. Yeah, I like that suggestion. I like that. Um, did you also find that you kind of have to work on explanatory styles, meaning how people explain the world on a deeper level or not so much? Well, explanatory styles has a lot to do with, with the present and the most recent past. So how you tell a story, how, how you're explaining events that have occurred. So, you know, I, I do see optimistic explanatory style as, in a sense, a, a companion of hope. It, it's something that you want to be able to, um, you want to be able to explain your world in such a way that you, you kind of take credit for the good that you're creating in the world and distance yourself from the bad parts of the world. Um, so I see optimistic explanatory style as being, uh, as I said, a companion of hope, but slightly different. Okay. Now, um, in the strengths approach, we always um, talk about how someone who's already good at something can get even better. So mm -hmm. hope is also character strength. Mm -hmm. So, So what's the first thing you say to someone who scored very high on hope on any of these assessments? <laughs> I tell them to go out and give it away. Go out and give hope away. As we know through positive psychology, when we put ourselves in situations where we're able to do what we do best in service of others, we actually have 
um, we're able to build more meaning and more happiness in life. So for the people who have just, you know, an overload of hope and, and their lives are going really well, I encourage them in, in every way I can to figure out how they can give hope away, whether it's to students at a local school, whether it's, it's colleagues at work, whether it's a not-for-profit opportunity. Um, the, the hopeful people among us have sort of a responsibility to spread hope to the other people around them. Right. So you mentioned for the people whose lives are going really well. And I'm wondering about the connection between life circumstances and hope. Yeah, as you know, we're incredibly resilient beings and we're, we're able to buffer ourselves um, against many of, of life's up, life's downs and we're able to benefit from many of life's ups. But, but uh, what, what I found is that that hope can be dashed. It certainly can be dashed by, by life events, particularly loss. So loss of, of a friend or loved one um, loss of a job, loss of, of status. Um, so loss can, can um, chip away at the hope that you have, um, but hope is, hope is malleable. It, it responds to your deliberate efforts to try to increase, increase it as well as it responding to um, the stressors of everyday life. So if you're intentional in your hopeful practice, you're able to, to beef hope back up and, and hopefully buffer yourself from the, uh, the challenges of everyday life. And that's something that we found in our research, that, that hope is a buffer. So I can go through an experience if I'm low hope, and you can go through the same experience if you're high hope, a negative experience, and you will have less emotion, emotional residue on you after the experience than I will. So the bad emotions sort of stick to me as a loho person and the bad emotions kind of um, cascade off you as a high hope person. So hope is definitely a buffer and, and we see that in both kids and adults. Right, so um, I'm wondering, does, does hope have any downsides at all? Well, you know, if, if you're unrealistic in your hopes, so I, I really don't, um, I really don't consider delusional thinking as hopeful thinking. Um, but some people, you know, engage in this thinking about the future where, for example, you're going to be a, a the world's greatest football player. Um, and you have very little athletic talent, but you're, you're hopeful that that's going to be your outcome in life. Um, I don't think those folks are very hopeful I, because they're, they can't articulate the pathways that it would take to become the world's greatest footballer. So um, I, I think in, in kind of common everyday speak, we, we confuse the word hope sometimes with wishing. And wishing has a terrible downside. It, it, it undermines your ability to pursue the goals that matter to you most. Um, hoping has uh, very few downsides. Okay, I like that distinction between wishing and hoping because as I opened with, people ask me about this a lot and I I never phrased it that clearly. I just said mm -hmm. no, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I didn't I never said, you know, made that distinction. So thanks for that. 
Um, now, now I'd like to make a little shift because I saw that you are very, very passionate about you know um, spreading hope in the school system. Why is that? Well, you know, hopeful thinking is really is really something we can pick up as young kids, and it, it will serve us well throughout our lives. But our schools are not, regardless of of where you live, our, our schools are not uh, equipped or, or ready to teach hopeful thinking to kids. Um, but it, it's very easy. So if we can think about having a hopeful student do a letter grade better um, than they're currently doing and think about a hopeful student um, overcoming, let's say, anxiety around public speaking or, or some kind of performance that they have to do at school, it, it's a no-brainer. It, it, it's, it, hope should be in every backpack of every student in the world. And the challenge that I, I've had to date in, in spreading hope in the schools is that many of our teachers are not as high hope as, as they need to be. So many of these talented folks who go into teaching um, are, are being burnt out by a very challenging job and very difficult system to work in, and they may not have that hope to spare. So that's where we come in. Those of us with hope to spare have to make ourselves available to the kids in school and the teachers in school and, and help them become more hopeful creatures. Right. So I'd like to dive deeper into how you do that. Now, first of all, do you, is it better to teach the teachers or can the researcher or the coach, the positive psychology coach, go into the class themselves and teach the kids? We've done both. We've done both. And I would say doing both rather than either or is the best way to go. Um, because if you have one teacher who is a hope killer, um, that person can do a lot of damage to a lot of kids and, and negate all the good work you're doing as a positive psychology coach in the classroom. Um, but with kids, what we've done in very deliberate fashion is, is that we've, we've helped them create um, uh, approach goals that are very, um, very clear and specific goals and goals that, goals that they would actually chase rather than just set. So a lot of people teach kids how to set goals. Uh, we try to teach kids how to um, create goals that, that really fire them up and get them excited because it's that positive emotional energy that will help them continue their pursuit of those goals. And then we teach them how to create multiple pathways to every goal that they set. So trying to instill in them that the first route to a goal may not be um, the most direct route, it may not be the most feasible route, so you have to create route number two. We also teach them how to think about the obstacles that may get in the way of their goal pursuits along those routes. So when they think of the obstacles, then they're, they're challenged to come up with more pathways to get from point A to point B. So it's a very simple process and involves uh, teaching goal chasing, teaching pathways thinking, and all the while keeping agency up. So keeping, keeping that, uh, that sense that I can do this, I, can, I, can, I, I think I can, I think I can, that kind of self-efficacy thinking, keeping that up. And we actually refer to HOPE in, in schools as GPA, um, Goals, Pathways, and Agency, and try to instill in students this, this sense that 
they're working not just on their their hopeful thinking, but on their academic performance as well. Right. Wow. So, so what's the time frame? You know, how long does that take? Is that just you know a couple of afternoons, or is that over a whole school year, or how does that work? Well, the work we've done to date, we've we've done um, five sessions with the students. So those sessions, depending on the school calendar, ranges from about forty minutes to ninety minutes. But typically, we can we can get everything done in about five different sessions. Now, one colleague of mine, David Feldman at Santa Clara University in California, he scrunched that into ninety minutes in one session. And he did a 90-minute, one-session HOPE intervention with college students, freshmen in college. And he found that it was effective in boosting HOPE. So I think we can, we can you know, um, keep going with these the five-session interventions with younger kids or maybe three sessions. Um, but with um, college students where their time is – it's harder to get FaceTime with college students – it may be wiser to go with a 90-minute, one-session intervention. Okay. Now, with other strengths, um, there, there's this notion that it might also make sense to embed it in the current curriculum. So, for example, when you teach strengths that you, that you take um, English literature and you look at the character strengths of the characters of the book, do you have any thoughts on that in relation to her? Well, I, I certainly think that um, hope is all around us. And what I like to do with with students and students in my positive psychology course is to send them out to interview the the person in their lives that's most hopeful, the most hopeful person in their lives. And it, it's a little different from um, watching a movie, let's say Shawshank Redemption, which people refer to as, as a very hope-filled um, narrative. Um, it it brings it personalizes it a bit. So when we're watching a movie or reading a book, um, we can pick up on those themes. But when you're sitting across from someone that you've identified as the most hopeful person in your life, it, it's even more powerful. So interviewing the most hopeful people in your life is one way to see how that narrative um, kind of threads throughout a person's life, how they've been hopeful ever since and they'll tell you ever since this happened to me i've I've been high hope um i had the good fortune to interview a man who was over a hundred years old about hope in his life and the stories that he told me oh my gosh the the stories he um he told me about his his hopeful experiences about the challenges he faced how he maintains hope in his later years they were just brilliant and and wonderful examples of how how we think about the future and how that affects our daily lives right right wow yeah i like that i like that now i saw that you have an app on your web um site so all right can you, can right. you talk about that a little bit well it, it goes right to uh hopeful stories um the the most hopeful story is the the ancient story of the odyssey um so what we did was we created an app um, that gets you um, challenges you to go from point A to point B, um, just like Odysseus did in the Odyssey, 
um, but you're you have to deal with the sirens, the 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 many things that kind of steer you off course. So we kind of gamified hope to some extent, and you're you're challenged to come up with um, the most coveted outcome you can think of, identify multiple paths to that outcome, deal with the many challenges that will you'll be facing. Um, along your way and figure out how you can keep up the energy to get things done. So it's really kind of a smash up between um, my Making Hope Happen book and and the Odyssey and uh, Homer's The Odyssey. And it's kind of a fun, a fun way to put hope to the test. It certainly sounds fun. Do you have any um, research or if no research maybe stories from users we haven't done any research we we meant to you know kind of bake in a pre-post assessment uh, on the app but we, we never got around to it um, but folks like to use it this time of year um, during uh, you know the the new year and and during that time where we're setting resolutions um, folks like to use the app um, to kind of track their own efforts on a new to to stay true to a New Year's resolution. Um, we also get folks using the app when we're encouraging um, folks to have a more meaningful work life. Um, so it's one way of of helping you set goals that that are consistent with a more meaningful work life, and then stay true to that commitment and and. Um, come up with creative ways to to accomplish your goals. So um, it's been it's been well used in both um, New Year's resolutions and in kind of workplace development. Right, which brings us to an other interesting questions, which is the intersection between habits and hope. I'm sure habits wanting to change habits. I think a lot of people are faced with that. So can you talk a little bit about the relationship between hopes and habits? Well, I'll put you on the spot. What do you What do you think is the relationship between hopes and habits? <laughs> um, I would imagine that hope can can certainly, uh, first of all, get us to actually dare to even attempt to change our habits. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't think it's possible, um, we don't. There's no reason to try it. Um, then. If we're hopeful, according to your definition, which is not the wishful definition, but the hope-hope definition, mm-hmm. then we already have ideas about pathways. And if we don't have them, we would generate them, mm-hmm. which is, of course, important for habits because you need to be pretty specific about what you want to do and when and how. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, you are an outstanding positive psychologist. I I agree with, with everything you said. I, I think it's hope is is vital um, when you're facing some of the most uh, unhealthy uh, habits that you may engage in. So um, if you're a smoker and you're trying to quit, if you have a horrible diet and you're trying to to, um, have a more healthy diet, um, if you're um, a selfish person and you're trying to become more selfless, um, hope and courage kind of work together to help you challenge um, challenge your own behavior and even 
even think about creating habits that are more uh, healthy. So I do believe that uh, hope and habits uh, are related. It's interesting, the, the habits literature is kind of, you know, taking off in, in terms of the books being written about habits. And, and uh, it's interesting because everything has its season and it seems like habit is, is the hot topic right now. Yeah, I think that's probably also thanks to Charles Duhigg's book, which popularized it. So, exactly. So not... And now Gretchen Rubin has a, a book coming out on habits. So. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that one. Really curious about one. Because I heard from other habit researchers or people who are interested in habits that she has some approaches that they haven't really seen in a lot of other way, um, places. So I'm curious about Oh, interesting. About yeah. Um, I, specifically, that I think she talks about um, the habit styles. So basically some people are like... Um, If I try to quit something, let's say um, smoking, some people mm -hmm. are apparently perfectly fine to smoke every once in a while and, and they can still quit. Like in general, mm -hmm. they can still quit or significantly reduce while others are like, you know, full on. Either I do it or I don't. Right. And, and I think that's, that's interesting. That will add to the discussion, certainly. So Shane, well, is there I, any... I, pardon? Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, please go ahead. <laughs> Um, is there anything about hope that you feel, you know, either a really cool finding or something that's really, really important that we haven't covered yet? Hopeful people live longer. We haven't talked about hope and longevity, but um, there was a longitudinal study done in San Antonio, Texas, um, some years back. And, and what the study was most interested in is, is, um, how people dealt with uh, um, chronic heart conditions. Um, so researchers would go to the homes of, of these patients and do all kinds of tests. And, and one thing they did was ask them, uh, are you hopeful about the future? So one round of, of testing was done um, at the onset of the longitudinal study. Five years later, um, Um, the researchers came back looking for the individuals who agreed to participate in the longitudinal study. Um, and they had a hard time finding some of them because the, the folks who were hopeless about the future were two times more likely to have passed away uh, due to illness than the folks who were hopeful about the future. So what hope does, it's, it's kind of this... Uh, um, It, it turns on the healthy behaviors that, that we know we should engage in. And hopeful people are more likely to go to the doctor. Hopeful people are more likely to take their medicine. Hopeful people are more likely to have a good diet. So when, you know, those things are beneficial at all points in life, but especially if you're dealing with a chronic illness. Um, so that's one of the more striking results that, that hopeful people live longer. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's a convincing argument. So if a listener wants to do something about their hope right now, what can they do? Where should they start? Well, I would go to um, hopemonger.com and we have a great simple exercise under hope how to's um, that kind of, kind of spells out how, how to think about hope, but also how to boost your own hope. Um, but more than that, I go back to the, the recommendation I made earlier. Um, spend time with the most hopeful person in your life. 
And, and that's a, a pretty simple question. Just think about who is the most hopeful person in my life. And most people have, have an easy time coming up with the answer. Call that person, text that person, set aside some time um, to visit with them. I just did that this morning. Um, one of my neighbors is the most hopeful person in my life. And he and I had coffee for an hour and we visited and, and I was much better for it. All right. Thank you very much, Shane. Thank you so much, Kristen. And I enjoyed uh, participating in the podcast. Yeah, so did I. So did I. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you have a clearer understanding of what hope is. Now, before we end this podcast, I would like to read a review. We got a new review on Stitcher, the first Stitcher review from Mr. Wake or Wike. I'm sorry. I don't know how that's um, pronounced correctly. And it says, five stars, just what the world needed. Dive into the warm sea of positive psychology and change your life forever. Wow. Wow. I would never dare to say this myself, but thank you, Mr. Wyke, for doing that. Have a good day and have a good week and talk to you later. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at Kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>